Hello and welcome. It's the pleasure of Power to Change to present Family Life Today each week, Monday through Friday at this time. We'd love you to contact this station and tell them how much you appreciate hearing Family Life Today. Well, let's get started on today's edition. Do you have a New Year's resolution this year, 2023? Not yet. I thought you were going to say you're going to listen to all the Family Life. That's what I'm going to do. Our I'm going to listen to the Family Life Podcast Network. And we have three of them sitting in the studio. They're like superheroes. We heroes. have been assembled. It's the <laughs> Avengers sitting right here. We've got... Uh, we got you know. Ant-Man over here. Shelby. <laughs> yeah, right. It's Shelby's Ant-Man. What's wrong? <laughs> Doctor oh, Strange. No, Doctor Look at Strange. Look like Strange. Doctor Strange. You need to. You need to kind of rub my goatee a little bit. Yeah. Dye the goatee a I'll little bit. Uh, what's Brian? He's Iron Man. Oh. Iron Man. Yes. I want to be Iron Man. <laughs> no, you're okay, Brian's Captain Iron America. Man. I'm hiding behind a mask. Ian is Captain Marvel or Black Widow. Oh, Captain oh, Marvel. Captain Marvel. Marvel. Captain Marvel. 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 Yes. more powerful than everybody. Mm, exactly. Powerful, yeah. I don't even know why they have the other superheroes. She can just destroy everything. I thought I know. the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> And you our, can destroy and us all. production man. crew is in there like, are they thinking this is the intro to the show? <laughs> 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 yes, this is the intro to the show. It's a new yeah. day. We've Family got Life Real Life Loading. Family Shelby Family. Abbott's in the, in the studio. We've got Ron Deal with Family Life Blended. And we got Brian Goins with Married with Benefits. These are the Family Life Podcast shows that a lot of our audience doesn't know. So, yeah, if you talk about a New Year's resolution, if you've never heard these, you're going to hear little clips today. Mm-hmm. And I hope you mm-hmm. say in 2023, I'm going to start listening to these. And not just that, share them. There's somebody you know that these would be beneficial to. So we're going to have a little clip. Where, who are we starting with today? Shelby? I think it's me. So what are we going to listen to? Uh, I had a conversation with Rachel Gilson, who is a We've phenomenal. Had her on. Yeah, she's yeah. been a guest on Family Life Today before. She's a phenomenal writer and speaker. She wrote a book called Born Again This Way, which is kind of the best title for a book ever. <laughs> and uh, we talked about stuff that is highly applicable to a younger audience, especially now when we're talking about identity and sexuality. And so the conversation was great. The clip will be great as well. Somewhat anxious, always authentic, this is Real Life Loading. I'm your host, Shelby Abbott, and our desire with this podcast is to help guide you toward the life-changing power of Jesus for relationships in a constantly shifting culture. So today's guest is Rachel Gilson, and back in 2017, she wrote an article in Christianity Today that went viral. And in that article, she shares her story about realizing as a teenager that she was attracted to women. She pursued that attraction until, through an odd set of circumstances, she became a Christian at Yale University. I love talking with Rachel, and I think you'll learn a lot through our conversation. So let's hop into it. So what can you say to people who are involved, like maybe a a 23-year-old who's just out of college, they're trying to get involved in a church, and they realize that one of their friends is same-sex attracted, how do we help that person engage with their friend? I would say um, taking a posture of asking, honoring questions, and listening really well. Because sometimes I have brothers and sisters who've experienced same-sex attracted brothers and sisters who've said, well, they'll bring it up, and 
their straight friends are really good at receiving it the first conversation. They're like, oh, uh-huh, and they, re- and they just never bring it up again. I think because they're afraid of hurting their friend, and so they're like, okay. well, if I just say nothing, then certainly I won't hurt them. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> and that's yeah. because you're like, well, I don't want to never talk about it again. It's just weird because I don't want it to be the only thing I talk about, but it is a part of my life. So sure. if I've invited you in... Then I want I want to be able to talk about it sometimes, you know. Yeah. So we just need to know where our friend is. Like maybe she is in a position where, like, for whatever reason, her experience of same-sex attraction is the main source of temptation and spiritual difficulty in her life. That might be true, and she really needs support if that is true. But it might be true that that's a part of her experience. But actually, her main source of spiritual temptation and struggle is that she works for someone who is deeply unkind and who is treating her poorly because she's a Christian or whatever. You know what I mean? Like you think of a million examples. So I think just being careful to not assume that the person who's same sex attracted, that that's like the source of all their pain. We shouldn't make assumptions about each other. We should just ask good questions. And the way churches can foster these types of scenarios or ministries is just by having the conversation every once in a while. I love that, Shelby. I think it's so easy to get locked in fear about something going on in somebody's life that we care about. And we're sort of like, man, I don't want to bring that up. Or maybe I should bring that up. And so bringing it up once and then never bringing it up again, again, is sort of backtracking all the time. And then the other takeaway for me was uh, making assumptions. That's just so easy to do. Sometimes what's a big deal to us may not be a big deal to them. And so we're making all these assumptions about how they're dealing with that element in their life. And one of the things I've learned to do with somebody is to just say, you know, I'd like to revisit this every now and then, but I don't want to bug you about it. So you tell me, would it be okay if we talked about it from time to time? And I let them define the parameters around when, where, how we talk about that thing, whatever that thing is. And now all of a sudden I feel permission and freedom and they feel heard. And now I know the path forward and uh, we don't have to avoid it. Yeah. The word that hit my head was condescend, which mm-hmm. we, we tend to think of as a negative word, like oh, don't be so condescending. Right, right. But in reality, it's like you, when that word was used in the New Testament, Jesus condescended from heaven. He came down. It means to go down together, condescend, go down together. And I think that's never a comfortable feeling for most of us. So even what you're bringing up, I think is applicable to whether you're a husband, whether you're a wife, I need to descend into their world. And that takes energy. And usually you're, if you're going down, I think of a dark place, you're going mm-hmm. to a place you don't feel comfortable in. But that's exactly where we need to go and go, how do I listen? How do I step into their world? And you do such a great job Mm -hmm. in your podcast of going, I'm going to step into the world of those that are dealing with issues that maybe the older generations are not. Mm -hmm. And so help us get there. Yeah. When you think about the end of Luke chapter 14, Jesus is basically calling us to die to come take up our cross and follow him and in dying others are brought to life that's the gospel jesus dies so that we might have life and we can do that with our friends we could die to ourselves make Mm -hmm. ourselves uncomfortable in order that others might live that life might be breathed into them it's not just for this subject of course it could be anything that someone's wrestling with if we are willing to be humble and Mm -hmm. die to ourselves it brings life to other people all right we're going to ron deal Family Life Blended, what do you got for us today, Ron? We've had 100 episodes of Family Life Blended. Can you wow. believe that? 100? Yeah, that's uh, exciting. And going way back, this next clip comes from 
episode number 11 with Michelle Couchette. And Michelle is one of my favorite speakers. She's spoken for us at Blended and Blessed and our summit on Step Family Ministry. Michelle also, this is part of the conversation we had. You're not going to hear her talk about this. But she had cancer of the tongue three different times. Hmm. She has been through some really, really hard things in life and her family and divorce and blended family experience. And so that's a little bit of the context of this conversation. She wrote a book called Undone, Making Peace with the Life You Have. Not necessarily the life you want, not the life you dream, but the life you have. So let's listen. I know many of our listeners, not everybody listening, has been through a divorce. They've been through some sort of loss. Mm-hmm. Somebody has. But maybe even even if they haven't been divorced, they can relate to the single parent years that you experienced. <laughs> yes. What were those like for you? Exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> it's all on you, right? It's all on me. And I was a young 20-something woman. I lived a thousand miles away from my family, so I had no family backup. I had a bachelor's degree in nursing, but being a single mom of a of a 22-month-old, I couldn't work 12-hour night shifts at the hospital with the baby. So I had to reinvent myself and come up with a new career. I went into computer networking sales, if you can believe that. Those years were very hard. I was very broke. (laughs) I remember my son and I, you know, he was a toddler, getting up, getting him ready for daycare, dropping him off, going to work. Coming home, picking them up, running to the grocery store, hurrying and making dinner. You know the you know mm-hmm. the drill. I, and we had very little extra. We ate lots of pasta and tuna. But if you would ask my son today, who's now 22, those were some of the sweetest years too. And then you meet this guy named Troy. Troy. And he's got a couple uh, of kids himself. Yeah, this guy named Troy, cutie patootie, was at church, side <laughs> to side. He was the sweetest thing ever. And he had two boys, single dad. We believed it played out just like on TV. So we thought it would be pretty fun to just bring our families together and have a nice, happy ending. And what, was it so? <laughs> I mean, the dating, take us through that dating period and some of those decisions about getting married. What What do you remember or recall looking uh, back? Dating was, you know, both of us working full time, trying to pay our bills and take care of our children. And, and we were very careful about um, how much we uh, spent time together, bringing the boys together. We didn't want them to have more loss, right? So trying to navigate how do we spend time together without rushing too quickly and all of that. And, you know, when you're 20 and you're so hungry for connection and relationship and you are broken, you do all kinds of things from emotion that isn't always intellectually wise. (laughs) Right. Right. Let's just jump off there for a minute because I know we all have regrets. My story is I got married when I was 19. Looking back, I think, what was what I thinking? Were you thinking? Clearly, yes. I wasn't thinking. Got married at 19. Nan was 20 years of age. Then we go and do mission work for three months in Kenya with my mm-hmm. parents. Like, Which that's is another. So good. I'm going to say that's so helpful for a new marriage. Exactly, right? We're establishing our own household and our own boundaries. And no, you know, we're living out of their pocket. Like, you know, there's so many things. All of us have things we look back at and we have. Uh-huh regret over like what was i thinking and yet here's the thing that i can't help but notice 
somehow there's enough grace for the day. Like even when it doesn't turn out well, like somehow we look back and God was there and he was teaching and we've learned more. And if it wasn't for those things, we wouldn't be where we are today. We've we've made decisions because of that. I mean, do you feel that same sort of thing? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, Troy and I started dating way too soon after my husband left and his wife left. We had not, you know, we were 20. You didn't know what you didn't know. We didn't know. And we did what textbook not to do, right? We took all of our emotional pain and tried to find its healing in another person, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, not a good idea. (laughs) It doesn't work. And it just leads to more pain and disappointment and more healing required. However, here I am. My husband and I, we've been married for 18 years now, and, you know, we're defying the odds, and we love each other, and all I see is God's grace. Yeah, that's great. God's grace. 19? Yeah, I tell people all the time, yeah, don't do that. That's not a wise thing to do. Grow up a little bit. But look at you. Yeah, Yeah. look what's happened. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's the point. You know, God's grace is so much bigger than our failures and our mistakes and our shortcomings and immaturity. And we all live with regret. I don't care what kind of life or family you have. We all live with regret of some sort or another. Thank goodness we don't have to rely on ourselves. What have you discovered to be one of the keys to not living with regret? Is there one or two that you go, here's consistency? Here it is. Losing my story into God's story. Hmm. It's the woman at the well who starts her day social outcast, pushed away, embarrassed about life and circumstances. And we've talked uh, other times on this podcast, whether it was her fault that she'd been through five marriages or somebody else's. We don't know, but she carried shame around it one way or another. And she was pushed out by the community and she meets Jesus and recognizes that there's something bigger going on. That my story is not the end of this thing. Now I get to tell my story in light of what God is doing in my story. Mm-hmm. So as we like to say at Family Life Blended, you can't change your story, but you can change the story you tell about your story. Mm-hmm. And when you finally get that God's working in me in spite of me for his purposes, and I have hope for a future because of that. So that way I can leave behind regret. I don't have to live in light of me. I get to live in light of the cross. Yeah, I think that a lot of times, especially in our Western culture, we think about how does and God and, and Jesus and the gospel fit into my story. And then I tell my story and then there's this little moment where Jesus is involved and things change. But one of the things I try to tell students and train them is help them to see that it's not about that per se. It's about how our story fits into the greater story of mm-hmm. the gospel. And that perspective shift really changes everything. Yeah. And so, yeah, of course, we're going to live with regret. Of course, we're going to make mistakes. But the gospel covers that always covers that. There's always grace for the mistakes that we make. That doesn't mean we want to lean into mistakes on purpose. Mm-hmm. We want to make wise decisions. We want to listen to people who have gone before us and make sure that we're understanding and learning from their wisdom and not repeating the mistakes of the past, but know that when I, I fall, when I stumble, not if, but when, there is grace that covers that. And again, God can utilize the mistakes that we make to make our story a better one for someone else in the future. That's just what he's in the business of doing on a, on a consistent basis. And a good reminder, honestly, in that last clip, which I know every day is a different show and a different family and a different story. But the thing I heard, which was interesting, is I think we all do this when life gets hard or when marriage gets hard. It's very easy to go back and say, well, 
I was an idiot. I got married at 19. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't going to work. Mm. We should have known better. And you bail. Right. And I can tell you, we all know hundreds of couples that has been their excuse, whether it's married too young or we didn't really understand what we're getting into. And she just reminded us, and you reminded us, and we, we did it too, got married too young. And if you would have looked at us on paper, you would have said, yes. not going to make it. Right. We stayed. She stayed. She's 18 years in. You're right. how many? 36. 36 years in. We're 42 years in. Stay. Talk about married with benefits. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that's, Brian, a segue. Talking, yeah. that's a great segue. Yeah. Because that really is, is rediscovering the benefits of saying I do. There was a yeah. reason why you said I do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we forget it. We lose it. We have regret. We have pain. Yeah. But yet God wants us to experience the oneness that really is exemplified by the gospel, that the gospel is about fresh starts and new beginnings. So that's really what this podcast is all about. Mm-hmm. Well, let's hear a clip. Welcome to the Family Life Podcast Network. This is Brian Goins. I'm your host of Married with Benefits, the podcast that is devoted to tackling some of the toughest issues in marriage so that we can help you better love the one you're with and experience the real benefits of saying I do. This season, we have been with Harvard-trained researcher Shanti Feldhahn, and we have been asking questions that we know every wife is thinking but just aren't sure who to ask. In fact, this question comes in from a listener who asks, why doesn't my husband notice the things that need to be done around the house without me nagging him? That listener happens to be my wife. Honestly, this is a pretty common question. It's not just about why doesn't he notice what needs to be done around the house, Mm -hmm. but it's this bigger thing of how can I get my husband to do something without nagging him? Yeah. What is it about nagging that really irritates men? So as I've been doing this research with the guys, nagging is essentially one of the most explicit signals of, I don't trust you. I've asked you to do something. And oh, by the way, I've asked you to do something again and again. Right. And it's essentially this, I am not trusting you to do it or to care about it enough that you will get to it when you can. Mm -hmm. One of the things when I was asking men, when your wife does have something that she's asked you um, to do multiple times. Can I ask, why don't you do it? Like, what what is behind that? Right. And a lot of the men said, look, I have signaled something by the delay. Hmm. Maybe I'm working 60, 70, 80 hours a week and I'm exhausted. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, maybe I'm incredibly stressed because of something going on with the family or the kids or my boss. And I feel like having one more project put on my shoulders, I'm going to crack. Like I just know that if I try to take on one more thing that I'm going to crack and I need to be able to come home from work and sit in front of the football game and like not think for a while instead of tackling a big household project. The way that when I was asking the guys, what would you recommend? Mm -hmm. You know, that if this matters to your wife, it matters. And the guy said, yeah, I know, you know, that it matters and I don't want her to be unhappy. It makes a huge difference if she'll instead approach it like, so when might you want to tackle this? I really appreciate everything that you're doing at work. I know you've got so much on your plate, but this is important. Mm -hmm. When might you tackle this? And that is received apparently very differently. Bro, this is good. This is not just good for married couples. This is good for all people Mm. because it helps you to be a better human being as opposed to just taking, taking, taking and learning how to give and care and pour into other people and listen well and respond to other people's needs. That is Christ likeness. Mm. And every Christian needs to learn that kind of stuff, not just husbands and wives. 
Well, Ann, you're the only wife sitting at this table. <laughs> you laugh when you first heard the <laughs> yeah, joke come out. This is an ongoing conversation with wives. I just talked Not to... Not in our home, of course. <laughs> right. Somewhere else. I just talked to a mom with three young kids, and they were getting ready for vacation. The mom has all the kids packed. She has she and her husband packed. She has the whole house ready to go. And all he has to do is take care of himself. All he needs to do is now come into the car. The kids are in the, It's hot. The kids are in the car. Wow. The car's packed. And Put she, on some pants. She walks yeah. in the house, and she says her husband's playing the piano. Oh. What are you doing? We're going on vacation. The kids are in the car. He goes, this tune just came. He's a worship leader. This uh. tune just came to my mind. And, and she goes, I've been telling you for three days we need to get ready. And you have done nothing, and I have done everything. And she just stomps out to the car. This is an ongoing story. Mm. So, you guys... Well, so what she should say, oh, hun. No. Yeah, no. Okay, tell no. me. Because in that moment, that's just raw selfishness. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is. But I'm also thinking of the young mom who's been taking care of the kids all day, but she's working. Her husband comes home. She's just put the kids down to bed, and he's watching TV, and there's a mess. And she's mm-hmm. asked him a million times, yeah. can you clean up? And he doesn't. So, Ron, you're saying... And you don't want to be his mom. I don't want to be a nag. And I've already asked him, hey, when the kids are going back down and I'm putting them down, can you clean up? And he doesn't. It's hard not to be a nag, you guys. It is. Sure. And in those moments, I mean, there's moments of desperation when you're calling for help that might need a little more energy in order to get his attention. It's hard to know what to do to break through selfishness. I mean, part of the problem in this conversation is we're trying to figure out how what she can do to help him with his selfishness. That's a recipe for disaster. And for her not to be controlling the situation. Exactly. So she can speak, she can talk, she can pursue, she can. But at the end of the day, he's got to look in the mirror and go, you know what? I need to jump in here. I need to be part of the team. And Anne has told me it is helpful. You tell me if I'm wrong to tell her if I'm not going to do it right now. Which yeah. she's asked me to do. Tell her when I'm going to do it. Yeah. Because there's times I'm Just like, seriously, I'm, it's mm-hmm. you know, it's the third quarter. There's, but I will do it by five o'clock. Yeah. She'll walk out and be okay. But then you better do it by five yeah. o'clock. Don't yeah. say it and then then don't come through. We want to thank Dave and Ann Wilson and their team for another edition of Family Life Today. Although our programs are produced in America, the issues facing families like forgiveness, communication and taking care of our kids transcend national borders. These issues profoundly affect relationships everywhere. In Australia, family life is known as power to change and our mission is to effectively develop godly families, the kind of families that change the world one home at a time. A key part of our mission includes strengthening marriages and families all around the world. We want to do whatever we can to bring timeless truths to the challenges you face as you seek to strengthen your family and join us in changing the world. Do you have more questions on how to develop healthy marriages, how to be a better parent, how to make romance and sex work well, or how to grow spiritually? Check out some articles that will help challenge you to move forward well at our website. Go to families.powertochange.org.au for more information. You're invited back tomorrow at the same time for another Family Life Today presented by Power to Change in conjunction with this radio station.